This is the Dealer News Today podcast, the podcast for automotive executives and the professionals who support them. Hey, everybody, you are here. I am here. And this is Dealer News Today. I appreciate you all for listening. You know, we're at episode 18 of season five. Wow. Just to think about that. That's a lot of episodes. But as always, you could go back and listen to every past season and episode. And there are a lot of them with a lot of great guests. And you could get them all on demand at dealernewstoday.com. Also, please follow the show on social media at Dealer News Today. Of course, I am your host, Derek D. If you'd like to find out more about me, well, DerekD.com is where you can do that. So, my guest today is an expert in her field, well-traveled, speaks multiple languages, and knows a whole lot about where the automotive industry is going. And she has a lot of great knowledge, you dealership owners out there, and folks that work at dealerships should definitely pay attention to. So please welcome the Managing Director and Senior Partner at BCG, that stands for Boston Consulting Group, Karen Lelouch. Karen, thanks so much for coming on DNT. Hi, Derek. Thanks for inviting me. You got it. So... So let's talk about you for a second. Where where are you originally from? I think I could guess, but go ahead. Uh, so I'm French. I'm actually French and American. I've got a dual citizenship because I was born in the U.S., but I was raised in France. So Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was Canadian, like French Canadian no, or actually. from Paris. From- and where in uh, and wh- where were you born here? Do you still live in, do you live in the United States now? No, so currently I live in Mexico um, and I was born in California, in the U.S., in San Jose, California. Oh, wow. So you've been all over the place. Yes, I'm very <laughs> international. <laughs> and obviously you speak multiple languages. Do you speak Spanish as well? Yes, not as well, but I do. Yes, a bit. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so jealous. Like, I, I'm all Italian and I speak more Spanish than I do Italian because, you know, my my great-grandparents, when they got off the boat, they were like, you're an American now. You speak English, you know, and it kind of suppressed the language, which which sucks. I wish I was able to speak Italian. <laughs> but anyway, tell me a little bit about your, your, a little bit about your history and how did you end up where, you know, where, where you are now? Where'd you go to, where'd you go to school? Um, so I went to uh, HEC, which is a business school in, in Paris. Um, Mm -hmm. And then after that, I joined BCG. So almost 20 years ago, joined BCG in 2004. Um, And uh, so I've been at BCG since then. And I worked then in Paris office, New York City office, and then now Mexico City office. So Oh, wow. Cool. So right out of college, you've been with the same company. Right. Incredible, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's loyalty right there. That's that's fantastic. Good, good for you. Just worked your way up. That that's great. Oh yeah, and I see it right in front of me in my notes. Joined BCG in two thousand and four, and again, uh, BCG stands for Boston Consulting Group, and and they have a, and you said you're in Mexico, and they have an office there as well. Yes, they have two offices. We have two offices there: one in Mexico City and one in Monterrey, and I'm in Mexico City. Oh, very nice. Cool. All right. Well, now that we have a little background on you. So your your title is the managing director and senior partner at BCG. Now for the people listening, what what does that entail? Like what does a typical day look like for you? So um, what we do is we help our clients um, identify or, you know, change something in the company that they think is going to be strategic. So, you know, either it's about launching, you know, helping launching new ideas, new products, it's helping them do a digital transformation. So I do a lot of digital transformation with a strong data-driven uh, aspect. So right. um, I help a lot of clients transform what we call the customer experience. So thinking about how the customers, what customers' expectations are, 
how to address them, um, what needs to be adapted from a go-to-market model, from a you know website, from a distributor standpoint, and so on. So I do this mostly in the automotive sector, uh, but that's basically what what we do, what I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds, that sounds uh, very in depth to me. I mean, way, way, way above what I know exactly. <laughs> what, what, I, I could never do it. So, um, obviously you're, you're very familiar with the, in the automotive realm. Uh, so let's talk about electric vehicles for a second. They're at the forefront of every automaker right now, obviously, whether people like it or not, that is the case. And we have a lot of dealership owners and folks that work at dealerships that listen to the show. What is the best way for them you know, for dealerships to prepare for EV growth? Should they be doing anything in particular right now that is very important for the future regarding EVs? So the first thing I would say is to acknowledge that this is going to be big. It's really interesting because when you look at all the forecasts over the past few years of EV growth, actually every year the forecast is growing, (laughs) which means that a few years ago we thought that EV would, you know, would still be quite small, uh, by 2025, 2030. Now, what we're seeing is that the forecast is that it's going to be almost 50% of the market in the US. So first, understanding that this is really happening and this is going to happen faster than what we thought in the past. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, we did a lot of surveys and interviews of dealers in the US. And what we found out is that most of them, they still underestimate a bit this, uh, sure. this space. Um, so I would say that's the first thing I would say. Um, the second thing is like anticipate that EV is going to have uh, a lot of implications across many uh, many aspects of their business model. So of course, you know, on after sales, you know, uh, like the level of the frequency of uh, maintenance that you need with an EV is not the same. Uh, you know, the the also the yeah. complexity of the of of the repair can be higher because usually you're going to have more electronics. You're going to have, you know, more difficult things to do. So like also preparing for this shift um, is going to be important for them. And I think the last piece is that what we're seeing is that many OEMs, they are thinking, you know, about adapting somehow their go-to-market model with EV. So it, it requires as well a lot of cooperation between OEMs and dealers in thinking about how actually are we going to partner to be able to offer the best customer experience, you know, back to the point I was making, which is, you know, today right. customers, you know, when, when they when they go to a dealership, some of them know very well what they want. But, you know, in the EV space, very often they want to be reassured. They want to understand the implications of having an EV, you know, how long they can drive, you know, what are the charging options. So there's a lot of like somehow training or, you know, information um, um, sharing that needs to happen. And of course the dealers, mm-hmm. you know, they, they need to make sure that they have all the information and again, um, they can share this well to the, to the consumers. Yeah, absolutely. That, that brings me to my next question, but real quick, I will, I will say that I do, you know, obviously the EV market is growing very fast. I, 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 I'm a car guy. So I always, I like EVs. They're a lot of fun. The instant torque is great. It's very fast right off the line, you know, and, and they're very, you know, technologically advanced and, but I always want there to be both. Like I love the sound of an engine. And yes. I, I love driving a manual car. I like so. Like I think there'll always be both. But I True. think you know. I mean, maybe in the very, very long, long, long future, it'll probably be just electric vehicles and maybe you know hydrogen uh, and electric. Yeah, you know, and hybrid. You know, hybrid. Yes. yes, exactly. No, for sure. And, um, and what you're saying is interesting about the, the the sound of the engine. You know, we're doing a lot of consumer research as well, and understanding you know. When people go to a dealership, 
What do they expect? Why do they go to a dealership? And interestingly, the, you know, the highest, the biggest answer that we got is always, I want to touch the car. I want to test the car and I want to hear the engine. And the hearing the engine is actually something we like. Yes. And, And it's a big question, you know, how much EV trend is going to change that requirement uh, to hear right. the engine, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny you say that because even for years now, I know Ford even did this with the with the with the Mustang. At, at sometimes they would, there's actually a, 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 like artificial engine sound that they pipe into the car, mm. so it sounds a little bit louder. And and I I don't know what I what I feel about that, but I think in a, an all electric vehicle, you know, and, and sometimes it's a safety issue too because you know someone could be walking across the street, they can't hear and electric vehicle, especially if their, you know, their eyesight is impaired or something like that. So yeah, there's a lot of, lot of, lot of variables, but I, I always think there's going to be both I, I, for the most part. Uh, right. I mean, I, I, I like EVs, but to your point that you were making before, this brings us perfectly into the next question. Obviously technology in cars is already super advanced right now. And I know even for some people that that's a difficult learning curve, but the sophistication of these cars, especially electric vehicles like you were saying, is only getting more and more complex. So do you, do you think some sort of course or class should be taken by dealers yeah. to prepare for the technology that will be in these cars so when people come in, they can really teach them about it, and especially like older folks? And I say that with all due respect. No, I know? think so, and that's absolutely right. I, and, you know, when we interview dealers, actually, they want to get the training. They want to know. I mean, I think they realize that this is a you challenge, both from a technical standpoint, so for, for the technicians, uh, in the dealership, but also again for the sales advisors because they need to be able to know to have some you know basic understanding to be able again to share um, to the customers. So interestingly, I mean, I think they're really expecting the OEMs to offer that to you know to somehow explain to them to offer trainings um, because they know it's a priority. So so that's why I think it's more about making sure that the OEMs understand it. And invest yeah. what is required to to train them the best way. Yeah, because I mean, some of the you look at even even cars that are regular still combustion engines. You know, they're all it's all screens in there and everything. And even you know, it's it's it's, it's a lot to learn for people. You know, yeah. a lot of especially like I said, older folks. You know, some of them you give them an iPhone, they're like, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're going to give them this whole. They need a new car. They're going to get a car that basically is a a moving iPhone that's huge. Hundred <laughs> percent. So, yeah, you know. Um, so, what 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 do you think the future dealership looks like? Like, obviously, there's the Carvanas of the world, and you can get, go online, but you can go online at yeah. any time with any dealership. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a broad question. But first, maybe from the digital side, because you were mentioning Carvana, I think that's really interesting because. You know, a few years ago, indeed, when people thought about dealership, that was purely a physical channel. The truth is most of the dealers now, they have catch, they have caught up on the digital yeah. piece and they actually offer a real omni-channel experience. You know, you start on the website and you can do the test drive, you go back online and then you go back to see the sales advisor. So like this omni-channel experience is becoming a reality. So this is clearly going to be even more happening in the future. Now, what's interesting as well is to think about um, to what extent the 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 the, the part that digital is, is is taking now, to what extent it has implications on the physical experience. You know, back to you know, the question maybe in the future, do I still need 
some physical experience, physical retail somehow? And the answer is clearly yes. Uh, because yeah. again, when we ask consumers, they, they want to talk to someone. It's still a big ticket item. You know, not 100% of people want to talk to someone. Some people, of course, are willing to do the entire journey online, but still a majority of consumers, they want to be there. They want, again, to test the car and so on. So the question is more about making sure that the pure digital experience exists, the omnichannel experience exists, but also that the physical channel evolves to, to take into account that maybe you don't need exactly the same formats, concepts, size of the dealership that you had in the past. It right. may also... You know, um, it may also mean that even the role of the advisors, of the sales advisors in the dealership may evolve because what we're seeing is that more customers, when they come to the dealership, they actually have a very strong knowledge. I mean, less on EV, you know, back to what we're saying, but on ICE cars. I mean, they actually have usually very strong knowledge of the car they want, um, even sometimes of the technology. So the role of the sales advisors is changing. So I think this is also something to take into account as we think of, you know, the dealership of the future. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm especially me, like I'm a, I'm a car guy. So when I go in there and I'm looking at a car, I, I know what I'm looking at. I know there's no, you're not, not that, not the dealerships and salesmen, sales people want to do that and pull wool over your eyes, but you know, it's, you, 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 I love going there and I want to ask the questions. It's that, I don't think that's ever going to go away. Exactly. And I think what, what needs to go away, though, is the long process, which I think they're doing a lot better with that now because people go online and get paperwork done first. I mean, go. I've said this on the show a million times. Going in that room where they got that old printer, it looks like it's from 1987. Right. And they're printing <laughs> like on, with, with, on the paper where you have to tear the perforations off on the side. It's like, what are we doing? It's still why, – why is that the process still? You yeah, know? there's so. still a lot of pain points around F&I, you know, and the paperwork. Uh, and, of course, again, Carvana has changed that, you know, allowing to have the prequel, the qualification, everything online. But the truth is for the majority of consumers, it's still very painful and it's still a lot of paperwork. And it's a lot yeah. of sometimes even stress about understanding what my F&I options are going to be, what exactly am I going to be able to afford um, and I think that's the piece of the process that isn't fully cracked, uh, is cracked from a pure digital, you know, native companies, but not from a like, you know, traditional dealership point of view, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I think you're a hundred percent right. You know, it, it, well, there's, you know, there's some people that like, I talk to people and they're like, eh, I don't care what kind of car I drive as long as it's a good car and it's reliable. The, I think those are the kind of people who go online and be like, oh, look at this car. I can just buy this and boom. But for most most people, like especially me, it's like, no, I need to go there. I want to drive this. I want to touch it, feel it, hear it, see how it, you know, talk to someone about it, all that stuff. So there, I think there, there's always going to be that person, like you were saying. Right. You know, in the in the, in the future, what, what percentage of cars do you think will be bought online? You know, like the digital retail of it all. I mean, obviously it's happening now. Yes. Um, so it's happening, yeah. but it's still small. And for now, it's more on the used car business rather than new, on the new car business, right? Um, but yes, for sure. You know, what we think is that by 2030, we should probably be around 20, 25% of cars okay. sold online. So you could argue mm, that's not that much. Um, some people believe, oh, that's very ambitious to think that it's going to be 20, 25%. <laughs> so maybe some considerations on how we're making this calculation. What we're doing is, what we're doing is that we're just looking at, um, comparables somehow, like, you know, we're looking at. The U.S. furniture market, for example, or the U.S. appliance market, right? So, like mm. uh, products that are 
large size, usually uh, big ticket items that usually have also some emotional <laughs> choices, right? Because when sure, you choose, yeah. choose your furniture, I mean, that's something that you're going to get and use uh, every day of your life. So, and when you look at the current um, e-commerce share in these businesses, we're around 30, 35%. And these sectors, they started going online 20 years ago. So, of course, I think right. the automotive and industry can go a bit faster in terms of like, you know, um, getting to e-commerce. But still, if the, if these industries, which are still a bit simpler, uh, they're only at 30 percent, you know, I think it's quite reasonable to think that we're going to be at 20, 25 percent for auto in 2030. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I it, it's that that's that seems like a big number, but it, it makes sense to me. And, you know, I, I think the second part of that question is. Because we have a lot of dealers, you know, dealership owners and, and and people that work dealerships that listen to this show, what what could dealerships do to make sure they stay at the forefront of that as well? You know, because a lot of a lot of dealerships sometimes, even now, are, are are very old school. You know, they're they're just like, oh, this is what works. We're gonna stick with that, and you you, you got to change with the times here. Yeah, I think I think they're changing. Honestly, I think we're seeing a lot of investment on digital and data. You know, so digital from a customer experience standpoint, so that's website and so on. But I think the other piece on which uh, you know we're seeing some interesting things happening is on data. So how to better capture data along the journey of the customers and being able to use these data to take better decisions, right? So for example, if I'm able to somehow uh, anticipate better the demand because I'm looking at my data and all my transactions over the past few months, I'm able to forecast better what cars I should order from the OEMs, and then I right. can manage my inventory better. You know, that's just an example. And we're seeing a lot of these new, um, you know, data usage uh, coming up um, in the dealer industry. Or, you know, to give another example, also when we think about pricing, you know, that um, you can think about having um, using also all the transactions that are happening recently and trying to understand, uh, you know, how to optimize your uh, level of price depending on the demand, um, depending on you know the type of cars and so on. So there's a lot of data-driven thinking that I think is the next generation of um, evolution of the dealership in the dealership space. Well, that's yeah, that's good. That's some good uh, information for dealerships to to hear for sure it's it's interesting because i was just just thinking about dealerships and things like that and how they got to change i'm i'm i was looking for like a second car i've been looking at mini coopers mini cooper s manual yes and i found one at a dealership and i went to the dealership and it's like it, it, it you got the price online and then you get there and it's like oh then there's this fees and that fee and this fee and in jersey i'm in new jersey uh -huh. the document like jersey is one of those states that the documentation fee it could be any price you want up to a thousand dollars. Like some states, it's eighty bucks. This dealership was eight hundred dollars. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like some of these things are just people go to a dealership. They're like, "What? This car is not worth out the door the amount of money. It wasn't worth six thousand whatever dollars. It's worth mm -hmm. about four. And uh, it's just like those things they got to change, especially if you're going online. Like, oh, there's yeah. the price, and you get there. Nope, you got this, you got that. You know, yeah. obviously there's taxes, and we understand that. But these things got to change like because oh, that's interesting what you're saying i think price transparency is really a very strong expectations from consumers i mean as you just described and yeah. it's a it's one of the rare industries actually in the you know in the world where you still have not so much price transparency so i think customers are going to push more and more to get that to to get a better understanding of what 
what is the real price they're going to pay, you know, from the beginning. Yeah. And uh, yes, I think that's one of the big changes that also that's going to happen for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And some dealerships right now, because the supply and demand is so crazy, you know, with everything going on and, the, and, and it's that, I mean, it's getting better than it was, but some dealerships, I don't think this is a good idea, are mock, marking up the MSRP on vehicles. Yes. Where I think that's not good for brand loyalty if you want people, you, you know, just just keep it at the because there's no incentives, there's nothing like that. Yes. And if the demand's there, they mark it up. And I don't think that's a good uh, good idea. Yeah, so it's, it's true that last year, especially like 2022, that was like very common to have yeah. – um, like all the cars above MSRP, I, to be frank, and some being 10, 50%, even 20% above in some cases. Well, yeah, I, I get it with certain cars. And I mention this car on the show all the time because it's I love it. The new Corvette C8, very mm -hmm. high demand, very beautiful car. I could understand that. But if you're talking about Toyota Camrys and, yes. you know, Ford Fusions and things like that, come on. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> at the same time, I mean, you could argue that the situation with, you know, the supply was so difficult. I mean, it was impossible even to get a Toyota Camry in some cases, right? So the point was yeah. to say if, you know, if it's so difficult to get it, um, you know, the volumes of sales decreased last year because of, you know, all the supply issues, right? I mean, in the, in the, mm -hmm. in the, in the past couple of years, uh, the volume was, was not as high as before. So uh, there is a need also from a dealer perspective to kind of, you know, still get the right revenue level for them, right? Um, so yeah. it's a... It's still a, you know, offer and supply equation, right? So people want a car, there's no car available, so they're willing to pay more. But anyway, I think this situation is going to be back to normal uh, in a few months from now. We're starting I to agree. see, as you know, even like in the used car business, uh, like price is going a bit down. So I think that's going to be back to normal, no, not immediately, but, you know, I think if you want to buy a car, maybe you wait a few months and then it's going to be back to normal prices. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's good to hear. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a, yeah, it was pretty crazy when that was, that was going on, but yeah, things are definitely leveling out now. Um, so one of the last questions, uh, what, what, real quickly, what, what is your, well, not that quickly, what is your thoughts on autonomous? I think it's, it's, I think it's going to be a while until we have, autonomous yeah. cars on the road fully driving without any driver input obviously because the safety factors are just too big and it absolutely has to be per perfected first but what's your thought on autonomous yeah well exactly what you just said which is it's going to take a while to be fully autonomous but like some pieces of autonomy i mean this is already a reality in many cars uh, right exactly yeah so and this is going to be like you know growing um uh, progressively. So it's about people like first getting used to that, to the fact that, yes, there is some, some pieces of autonomy, of autonomy in the vehicles you have, and you can start learning using it. And then, yes, the real like full autonomy, that's going to take some times for many reasons um, that, you know, like regulation, um, you know, making sure that the safety is really there and so on. We're sure. still seeing some like uh, for uh, public trans transportation, like, you know, some um, autonomous vehicles um, or buses uh, attempts, that is probably going to be also something that, that is going to grow in the future. But but I think autonomous vehicles is really also something that is going to have an impact on the dealers, right? Because, oh yeah, you know, again, back to the question about the physical locations of the dealers, right? If in the future, uh, you can you can imagine that the car will drive itself to go to get some maintenance, uh, you know? Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the locations you need to pick for a dealer is not the same, right? I mean, you can have more 
um, more freedom, right, on on how you want to organize your network. So so that's actually very interesting as well. Yeah, it definitely is. It's funny to be like, uh, honey, where's the car? Oh, the car drove itself over to get a to well, it wouldn't be an oil change probably, but to get <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. Not to a big get repair. some new tires. Yeah, not big repair. <laughs> Otherwise, they wouldn't work for sure. But <laughs> like. <from. laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting what the future holds for the whole automotive world. I mean, obviously, way back in the day, people thought by now, oh, flying cars. But, you know, it, it, that's it, <laughs> oh, it, it's flying just cars amazing. is becoming a reality. Sorry to interrupt you. But like this. No, I you're right. Interestingly, like if you look at, I mean, the press over the past few months, like this is becoming the hot topic currently. And there's a lot of like things happening in Europe, actually, a lot as well, um, like with a lot of trials. Um, mm. This is going to happen, right? This is going to happen sooner oh, than yeah, people definitely. think. <laughs> yeah, and I, I always say, though, I'm like, if it's a flying car, I want it to look like a car yeah. that can fly. I don't want it to look like a plane. I want it to look like True. a car, which obviously there's, there's a lot of, you know, factors that go into that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just amazing. We live in a really interesting time when it comes to technology and cars and all that for sure. Um, well, real quick, what kind of car do you drive? Can you drive manual as well? Uh, no, I, I drive automatic. So um, I have a Honda. Um, okay, solid in, car. Pilot with, because we need a, I, with the kids, you know, big family, we need like a big car. So <laughs> Yeah, well, a Honda Pilot is big enough for sure. But I tell you, Karen, this has been fun to get your insight and perspective on everything automotive that we talked about. Uh, before we get going, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, thanks for the invitation. I mean, you know, this is like a, a very interesting industry where like so many things are happening. So it's very exciting for everyone, the OEMs, for the dealers, for us working in this industry. So very happy to share some thoughts on that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, a lot is happening. That's for sure. And uh, it's exciting. We appreciate the thoughts you shared as well. Karen, thanks so much for coming on DNT. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Absolutely. You got it. Again, that was Karen Lelouch, the Managing Director and Senior Partner at Boston Consulting Group. For more information on them, head over to bcg.com. And that will do it for this episode. Make sure you follow us on social media at Dealer News Today. I am your host, Derek D, DerekD.com, for all of my stuff if you'd like to check it out. I appreciate you listening, everybody. And until next time, this is Dealer News Today. Today.